This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, podcast listeners. Today, we got a lot to be able to talk about in the market. I mean, Wall Street's not going to talk about some of this these uh, uh, topics that we're going to talk about today, at least from what I'm observing. But we will talk about it here on this podcast. First things first, United Healthcare is getting closer to its merger. Coca-Cola's got some interesting news that we should discuss on this podcast for today. There's oil news we need to be able to talk about because it does affect not only us here in the States, but it's going to potentially affect the world in the making, at least in my opinion. And finally, we will finish this saga or hopefully the saga will be done with Twitter and Elon Musk. Save that one for the end because there's a potentially that this could that segment could take a little bit longer than normal. But I think you guys would enjoy today's podcast. With that being said, guys, I have to remind you that I'm not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I discuss on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I cannot make financial decisions for you because I'm not a professional advisor. You must go talk to your own financial advisor for these situations with your money. Okay. With that being said, guys, let's begin today's podcast. First things first, United Health to sell change healthcare, healthcare's claims business for $2.2 billion. Rudders. Uh, United Health Group has agreed to sell Change Healthcare Claims editing business for $2.2 billion in a move some analysis say could ease regulatory hurdles in the way of an, 80, of, of an $8 billion merger between healthcare companies. Earlier this year, the U.S. Department of Justice sued to stop the acquisition for giving United Health access to competitors' data, forcing the companies to extend the deal closing date by nine months to December 31st. The sale of the claims business to private equity firm TBG Capital will only go through once United Healthcare's acquisition of Change is completed. Change said in a regulatory filing, United Healthcare and Change offer competing softwares for processing healthcare claims and together serve 38 of the top 40 health insurance insurers in the count in the country. The DOJ DOJ said in a uh, complaint in February, owning Change claims business claims. X10 would offer United Healthcare a window into rival health plans at Humana Inc., Anthem Inc., uh, CBS Health Corp., and Aneta and Cigna Corp., the agency said. City analysis Daniel Grosslight said that the sale of the claims business will likely remove DOJ's argument against the merger and potentially increase the profitability of the deal going through. And the final quote for this, I believe, uh, we will quote, we will not think this will reduce the value of change to United Healthcare. As there is a significant overlap between claims X10 and Optimum PI solution, Grosslight wrote in a note. Probably this, with the sell of this, it probably will help speed up the process. This should have been talked about yesterday, but because of yesterday's news where the market was down most of the day, and then as soon as the announcement, and which, like I said, we'll talk about later in this podcast with Elon buying Twitter, this kind of got buried under. I mean, this. There's nothing left now for uh, the DOJ to complain about, potentially. They might find something because it is the DOJ. But at the end of the day, this merger is probably going to go through a lot faster. So December 31st, won't they won't need that much more time, probably, if they meet all the regulatory requirements since the DOJ is afraid of 
monopolies in the making, which is fine. But at the end of the day, just United Healthcare should have been talked about a little bit, but and I'm not an expert in United Healthcare. I mean, I've studied the stock a little bit sometimes, but at least right now it just seems like this merger is going to happen. And at the end of the day, mergers tend to happen within the sector a lot. So we'll keep an eye out with United Health. Maybe there'll be some news later on that we don't know about, but as of right now, it just seems like that's going to go through. Turning to Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola turns to refillable glass bottles in a fight against inflation. That should keep your ears a little bit open, people. Coca-Cola warned on Monday consumer demand could slow as the rampant inflation shows no sign of cooling and said it was focusing on more affordable and refillable glass bottles in markets facing the biggest pinch from price increases. Demand for sodas and other packaged goods has so far held strong despite price increase increases and result from higher cost of everything from aluminum cans to sugar labor and transportation. Coca-Cola chief Executive Officer James Quincy said that the resilience and demand will not last forever. Quote, I do not expect price escalation um, el elasticities to be elastic going forward. I expect e elasticity to increase at some point in the future. Will that be next quarter or will it be next year? I can't give you an answer to that, Quincy said on a call with uh, analysis. Procter & Gamble earlier this month said it is expected demand for its U.S. feminine home and oral care products to soften as summer prices increase feed through the shop shelves. Later on in the article, it says that Coke's net revenue rose 16% to $10.5 billion in the first quarter, and its shares were up 1.6% in the morning training. The company said suspension of its operations in Russia would impact its annual profit by $0.04 cents per share and the annual net revenue by about 1% to 2%. I don't get, well, I kind of get why Coca-Cola is doing it. But what I'm curious about, though, is how is Coca-Cola going to get these refillable glass bottles back? I mean, in the same art, in the same article that I'm currently looking at, it said, at least for overseas, it says, to prepare for the expected drop in consumer purchasing power, Coca-Cola says it's expanding the distribution of cheaper returnable or refillable glass bottles in emerging Martins in Latin America and Africa. Okay, so that that answers my question a little bit, that they're going to do this, it sounds like, outside over, overseas. But I often wonder if it's going to happen here in the States eventually as well. I mean, it's not really the best option for Coke, but the fact that they're even considering using refillable glass bottles in a fight against inflation kind of gives you an idea that inflation is potentially getting worse. And I only say potentially because I'm not an I'm not a market expert at all, but you can see prices rising if you go to the grocery store and just pay attention to what's happening. ABC News reports, Coca-Cola sales surge offsetting rising cost of Russia exit. Sales at Coca-Cola surged 16% during the first quarter as crowds returned to movie theaters, music venues, and sports stadiums, offsetting the rising input costs for the company and the suspension of operations in Russia. Coca-Cola was among the companies to pull the plug on the Russian operations after the country invaded neighboring Ukraine. But on Monday, it's stuck by the early revenue growth projections of 7 to 8% per share growth of 5 to 6% per year. The, the Atlanta company posted net income of 2.78 billion or 64 cents per share, topping Wall Street's expectations, or per share earnings by 6 cents, according to a survey by Zach Investment Research. The world's largest beverage maker posted revenue of 10.49 billion in the period, also exceeding industry analysis forecast of 9.91 billion. 
this is where I'm always curious to know why they always mention this, but it gives you also an idea of potential areas that Coke is selling a lot on. Sales of Coca-Cola is zero sugar increased 14% while sales of its namesake Coca-Cola soft drink rose 6%. Overall sales for the sparkling soft drink category climbed 7%. Consumers continue to gravitate to healthier beverages with sales of nutrition, juice, dairy, and plant-based beverages up 12%. Sales of hydration, sports, coffee, and tea grew 10%. Uh, that's pretty much everything we need to cover on this article with that. Actually, no, last thing we need to talk about from this ABC News article, Coke is getting hit across the board on rising costs for everything from aluminum and sugar to transportation. The company has said that the suspension of Operation Russia will trim four cents per share earnings this year. Inflation's here. That's a given just from Coke alone. Okay, Coke tends to weather through a lot of storms. And I think that's one reason why Coke shares are also up so much is because a lot of investors are running towards Coca-Cola because it's considered a quote-unquote safe bet in times of uncertainty. But at the end of the day, Coca-Cola is still going to feel the cost of rising inflation rates. And that can be terrifying to think about because like we just said, they're using potential reusable bottles in Africa and Latin American countries. It's still curious to know how that whole system's going to work at the end of the day. But I also wonder if there's a chance that it could happen here in the States. I don't see it personally happening because it would be too much of a headache potentially, but you never know. Maybe Coke gets desperate. Just things to think about. I mean, but like I said, a lot of investors are running towards Coke because it's considered the safe haven right now. Continuing now with potential inflation issues in the making, let's talk about oil. Yesterday, Oil slumps 4% as Shanghai lockdown uh, stoked demand and fears. In New York from Rutgers, oil slumped by 4% on Monday to its lowest in two weeks on growing worries about the global energy demand outlook due to prolonged COVID-19 lockdowns in Shanghai and potential increase in U.S. interest rates. Quote, the prospect of a slower economic growth this year amid U.S. interest rate hikes has already led to a downgrade in vision of oil demand forecast analysis has said the longer the Ukraine war and the China lockdowns persist, the higher the risk that demand growth will be even weaker. I don't believe that one bit. I think oil demand is going to get even higher, especially if they're not making as much oil. It says here, Shanghai's COVID lockdown uh, ministry dragged into a fourth week as order for mass testing in Beijing's biggest district sparked fears that the Chinese capital would be destined for a similar fate. It says here, China is the world's biggest oil importer, obviously. Brent futures fell $4.33 or 4.1% to settle at $102.32 a barrel, while the U.S. West Texas Intermediate, or WTI, crude fell to $3.53 or 3.5% to settle at $98.54 a barrel. Both benchmarks closed at their lowest since April 11th after losing nearly 5% last week. I, I don't believe this one bit. This was obviously on Monday. I mean, we should have talked about this yesterday, but at the time, it was just, it, 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 it was just, we had to cover other things at the time. In this later article, though, it does get interesting because it says in the United States, which will reopen its embassy in the Ukraine soon, official says domestic oil and gas production is rising and will continue to rise, make up 1 million to 1.5 uh, million barrels of oil per day and has been pulled off by the market after Russia invasion of the Ukraine. 
I'm not too worried about the Ukraine sector. What I am worried about is this currently, and this is from today. Crude oil prices down as market sees delayed in demand recovery amid China's zero COVID policy, ANZ Bank says. Crude oil prices dropped as China, the world's largest crude importer, importer recorded demand falling by 1 million barrels per day this month, with the stringent zero COVID policy set to delay demand recovery further, Australian ANZ Bank said on Tuesday. Note. The COVID outbreak in China looks to be worsening. Shanghai reported record daily deaths over the weekend and lockdowns are getting extended to Beijing, the bank noted. Meanwhile, the market took cues from the European Union foreign uh, policy chief who said EU member states are not agreeing on a full embargo on Russian oil. Interesting how now that's being mentioned here, but not being mentioned on other news networks. ANZ Bank says, as a result, Russian oil still flows into the block. Whoa, Russia's still importing oil? Potentially in Europe, it sounds like. It says Libya is also restoring its production within days following a disruption amounting to 500,000 barrels per day. Asian buyers continue to purchase cheaper Russian cargo with 4 million barrels per day following flowing to Asia, according to Bloomberg shipping tracking data. This is a 25 increase from the week ending April 15th. What's it going to be, Europe? I mean, I don't want to be political on this podcast, but it's still interesting to see that this article is claiming that there's still potential Russian oil going into the EU right now. And with the China thing too, I had to look into that a little bit, but I couldn't believe that China is now expanding its potential stuff into uh, Beijing. And I actually looked it up and sure enough, there is articles on that. So, but this, this, this market, this, this podcast is about the market. We're not going to get into huge political issues, obviously, but it's still something to think about that China is, is not, uh, making as much production currently right now and it might be expanding to beijing what's going to happen to the markets when if china goes to complete lockdown i mean right now it's just cities because they want a zero policy for covid but in my honest thoughts right now if there's a complete lockdown is oil going to keep falling then potentially or is there going to be a bigger demand for oil because if i'm not mistaken I think I read somewhere today in my research that there are parts in China currently right now that are still potentially trying to produce oil, but at the same time, they can't as much because they're in this lockdown situation. So what's going to happen to oil if China goes into lockdowns across the entire country? Because like I said, right now it's in Shanghai, testing's being expanded to Beijing, What's going to happen to markets then? It's things to think about, guys, because who knows what's going to happen with the stock market at this point. Maybe that's a good thing that oil prices would drop, but I don't see that happening. In fact, I could see a potential with less oil being out there that the demand's going to increase even more, which means I could potentially see crude oil being at the highest it could possibly be. Maybe Russia's offsetting that. They're still importing into the EU. Who knows? Just things that, I mean, I'm going to keep a strong eye on oil. I mean, I mentioned this yesterday. I hate filling up my gas tank right now. Every time I go traveling 
or just going places because I just see gas prices. It just seems like gas prices keep going up instead of going down. And obviously it's a supply demand issue, but it's still something that I don't fully understand, but I'm not an expert. So, and now for the main thing that we want to be able to talk about here on this podcast yesterday, this was huge news. Twitter accepts buyout, giving Elon Musk total control of the company. Elon Musk will buy Twitter for $44 billion. Twitter has accepted Elon Musk's offer to purchase the company for $44 billion. The company announced in a press release today, Musk purchased the company at $54.20 a share, the same price in the initial offer on April 14th. In a quote from Elon Musk, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated, said Musk in a statement. Including the release, I also want to make Twitter better than ever by enhancing the product with new features, making the algorithms open source to increase trust, defeating the spam bots, spam bots and authenticating all humans. Twitter CEO... Um, also applaud the deal in the release. Twitter has purpose and relevance and impacts the entire world. Um, a Garwal said in the company statement, deeply proud of our team and inspired by the work that has never been more important. Musk laid out his plan for the funding of the deal and the SEC filing on Thursday, which includes $25.5 billion in loans and $21 billion in personal equity. Analysts believe the loans would cost Twitter as much as $1 billion a year in servicing fees, or roughly 20% of the company's annual revenue. Shortly after Musk announced the buyout plan, Twitter's board initiated a poison pill. We don't need to talk about that. We t- we've talked about that a lot in the past. Here's the thing. I talked about this yesterday. Elon was going to win this, and he has won. Okay. Now that it's here, though, there are some other stuff that is raising questions though about Twitter's future. Obviously, Twitter's no longer going to be on the stock market as soon as Elon takes it private. Maybe he just merges it with uh, Tesla and maybe that's how potential investors get into Twitter going forward. But here's the thing. Twitter employees raise questions about Musk takeover and all hands meeting. This was kind of big news yesterday after and it says Elon Musk is officially set to buy Twitter and the company employees have questions. At an all hands meeting Monday afternoon, the CEO um, Arguel and the board ch- chair, Brett Taylor, Twitter ex- employees raised questions about everything from what the deal would mean for their compensation to whether former president Donald Trump would be let back on the platform. According to audio calls contained by CNN, uh, the call comes after Twitter board announced the takeover. There, there's these questions that these people in CNN have, and I'm not CNN Twitter, uh, has, and to be honest, some of these employee, employees at Twitter, I mean, they could be worried. I mean, we talked about this yesterday. I don't understand how the board of directors for Twitter for the longest time was not accepting ads for political stuff. And at the same time, they were not accepting ads for cryptocurrencies. I mean, business in business, you're meant to make money. And it doesn't make sense that for these last two years that they've been avoiding this stuff. I mean, in my internship that I did once for face, not for Facebook itself, but like I had to do Facebook ads. The whole purpose of Facebook ads was to get your product and service out there so you could make more money. And you got paid based off the ads that you had on Facebook. 
if it reached a large enough audience. Well, at least the company I worked for, they would get paid more if we could lower the cost down. But I don't get what Twitter was trying to do during this time. It just doesn't make any sense. I'm also still curious to know how Elon's going to reinvent this company in the end. I mean, I think Elon is the man to now take charge. I do think there has to be a lot of changes across the board, like to make Twitter more profitable. You got to potentially have to wipe out a lot of people that are not on board with what your vision is. But at the same time, you know, I don't think they're going to lay off everyone, but sometimes you have to get rid of a few people in order to be successful, I guess. It depends on the person and how valuable they are for a company. But this is the true winner that no one is talking about from this whole Twitter deal. The big winner in Elon Musk's Twitter deal from CNN Business. And if you're an investor, you might want to consider investing potentially in this company. Obviously, you can still invest in Elon's vision because I think he's going to merge Twitter with uh, Tesla. But here's what it is. Even the world's rich, richest person needs financial advice. That's great news for Morgan Stanley, the investment bank of choice for Elon Musk. Morgan Stanley advised the Tesla CEO on his $44 billion acquisition of Twitter. The bank also helped secure $25.5 billion in funding for the deal, including $12.5 billion in loans that use Musk Tesla stock as collateral. That should lead to lucrative fees and interest income for Morgan Stanley. Investment banks usually get about 1% to 3% cut of the value of a merger deal, which is split among the, all the banks involved. Based on the $44 billion purchase price, that works on a range of $440 million to $1.3 billion. So Morgan Stanley could be looking at it taking in tens or even hundreds or even millions of dollars of advising Musk plus the Wall Street bragging rights. Morgan Stanley is one of the world's um, permanent financial firms according to the so-called league tables tracked by the Financial Times. The bank ranked in the second largest amount of fees from investment banking in the first quarter. It's $852 million in fees so far this year, trailed only by Goldman Sachs and was up 87% from the first quarter of 2021. Morgan Stanley said in the first quarter earnings report that um, advisory revenue for mergers nearly doubled from a year ago, but overall investment banking revenue was held back by a slowdown in initial public offerings and corporate bond sales during a rocky first three months for the broader market. Uh, let's see here. Later on, the article says it shouldn't be a huge surprise that Musk is working with Morgan Stanley. After all, he's, he's had more than a decade long relationship with the company. And the bank was one of the four underwriters for Tesla in 2010 IPO, along with Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase, and Dutch US Bank. At the end of the day, I mean, Morgan Stanley's going to be making money off this deal in the end from Elon. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of money. What, what did we just say earlier? Uh, they, they've made $852 million in fees this year alone, and they could potentially be making $440 million to $1.3 billion on this deal. Morgan Stanley might be a stock to look into potentially because they're going to be making some money. And I also mentioned this about on my very first podcast when I started this, IPOs potentially are coming back on the rise. And if IPOs are back on the rise, Morgan Stanley is going to get their cut of money on this. I mean, it's 
almost a win-win for Morgan Stanley in the way. I mean, if this works out and Elon turns Twitter around, Morgan Stanley is going to be known on Wall Street as the company that financed Elon Musk to profitability for Twitter. I mean, it's it's kind of smart for Morgan Stanley to have taken this deal with Elon. That's just mind-boggling for me to think at the end of the day. But in the end, like I've mentioned, we need to keep an eye out for IPOs potentially coming up because Morgan Stanley could make more money potentially on this. I mean, Elon won, like I mentioned, and now Morgan Stanley is going to potentially win at the end of the day. I mean, $1.3 billion potentially, but at least $440 million, somewhere in that range, $440 million to $1.3 billion. Morgan Stanley's walking away. They're probably smiling today. It's a great day for Morgan Stanley. But for everyone else, it's a great day for Elon and Twitter. Or at least some people. Some people aren't too happy with the exchange that happened. So, But at the end of the day, markets get more interesting every single day, at least when we talk about it. With that being said, guys, thank you for listening to today's podcast. I'd ask that if you enjoyed today's podcast, that you please follow this podcast and be able to share it with friends and family if you think they would enjoy it as well. The more we can grow this channel, the more we can keep talking about these news events that are happening that Wall Street won't always be talking about. That being said, guys, thank you for taking time of your day to listen. Thank you and goodbye.